Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. I'm going to talk to you guys today from Luke 19. We're going to go from verse 41 into chapter 20. We're almost done, Luke, right? It's nice. Did Shannon say something about that last week? We're kind of finally in the last stages. Still will take a while, though. So, Luke 19. I just want to say, I was thinking about this this morning. Um, you know, we had a, a men's thing yesterday, and uh, we did this kind of Q&A thing that I was a part of, and uh, it just hit me that it's not a small thing to get to, you know, speak into people's lives. And so, you know, God just said to me to say, thank you for letting me be one of your shepherds and just the privilege of speaking into your life. And some of it was just like the weight of some of the questions that they were asking me. It's just no small thing to give people advice and to encourage them by the word of God and all those kind of things. And so I'm just being reminded not to take it lightly at all and to say thank you for letting me do that. So thank you. All right? Okay. So Luke 19. Uh, something, I'm not going to read the, the passage you know, like I usually do. I'm going to kind of walk us through it. It'll make my life a little bit easier. But something that I, I know about sermons and speaking them a lot is you forget most of what I say. <laughs> it's not insult. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, that's the worst intro. Um, but you forget things that I say because usually, you know, I say a lot. That's what I'm trying to say. And you usually kind of remember one thing. I know that. Like, I listen to sermons, and I'm like, mm, yeah, I remember. That was, I think that was a really good sermon, but I remember this one thing that the pastor said. And so today, if there's one thing that you remember from everything that I'm about to say, it's this one thing. If you care about people, your actions will show it. If you care, your actions, the things you do will show it. And here's the thing. All you've got to do is look at Jesus. Look at verse 41. It says, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the thing that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. So Luke says Jesus is finally getting to Jerusalem, and he sees the city, and he weeps. Now, the, the, the actual verb here means to wail. So Jesus is sobbing as he looks on the city, and we're given the reason why. Verse 43 says, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon you upon another in you, because you did not, here's the reason, because you did not know the time of your visitation. 
Jesus, scripture teaches us, is a prophet, priest, and king. And as our priest, he dies in our place and intercedes, it says, on our behalf. As our king, he is ruling and reigning over our life and over our world now. And as our prophet, he speaks the truth and declares things that are coming. And that's what he's doing right here. He predicts the invasion and siege of Jerusalem and actually happened in AD 70. And the historian Josephus says that it was complete devastation. And he gives the reason why. It says, because you did not know the time of your visitation. The CEV, the contemporary English version, translates this clearer. It says, because you did not see that God came to save you. So the Messiah is in front of them, has arrived, and they reject Jesus. They miss their chance at peace. Look at verse 42. It says, would that, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now, now they're hidden from your eyes. And you're, you're probably sitting there like, what are the things that make for peace? What are these things that Jesus is talking about? Well, faith is one of those things, like the blind man on, in Jericho, right, in chapter 18. That makes for peace. Repentance, like you saw in the life of Zacchaeus. He's like, Jesus, I am not the same. I was robbing people. Now I'm blessing people. I'm ministering to people. I'm giving to the poor. Repentance. Obedience is a thing that makes for peace. You saw the, the disciples last week. They got told to go get a donkey. And they didn't say, mm, I'm not sure about that. They, they went and did what Jesus said. Those are the things that make for peace. The Prince of Peace is extending his hand to these people. And they reject that hand and choose instead to marry rejection. And that leads to their destruction. And it made Jesus cry. You're like, why is he weeping? That's why he's weeping. Because he doesn't delight in it. It's a sad reality. And here's the thing. They're actually repeating history at this moment. In Luke 13, Jesus has, he's lamented like this before. In Luke 13, it says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stoned those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered you, gathered your children together as a hen gathered her brood under her wings, and you were not Willing. He's he, multiple times. He, he's saying, come. But now he's also speaking of their past history. This is a lament that is speaking to the years and years of them rejecting prophets that God has sent. All you got to do is open up your Old Testament and see it. That there's this constant rejection. A, a, a man of God comes and they're like, no, thank you. They're repeating history. And like them, we can do the same. We can repeat bad history. Say, yes, we can. We can. And we do this when we don't know history. We repeat bad history when we don't know history. So here's the word. Learn history. Learn your family history. Learn your cultural history. Learn your church history. Here's why. Because when you learn those things, what you see is here is something good to repeat, but also here are the things that I have to avoid. That's time to actually turn away from living like that. Some of us, 
Some people in this world, their life is all upside down because they don't know anything about their family history and they're just repeating that thing over and over and over. Sometimes the church is a mess because we actually don't know church history and so we just turn around and we're just doing that thing again and again and again and here's what it's doing. It's grieving the heart of God. Sometimes we re-repeat history because we become prideful about history. We look and we're like, "Mm, I'd never do that. Ever been in that spot? Just look around the culture sometimes. You just see all kinds of people. They're just, they're, they're quick to throw shade. I'd never do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. The things you see in history, all it just takes one step in a wrong direction, and you can be in that spot. That's why we are, are to be close to God. Asking for God to give us the strength and the wisdom to not do that. That's we are, we are to be humble people to say in a moment, I can do that thing that I'm seeing. Text says that when he saw the city, he wept over it. What you got to understand here is Jesus is not some stoic cat. Do you get that? You know, the strong, silent type. The brother who's afraid to show a little emotion. Hey, there's nothing wrong with a good cry. Do you understand me? Yes. Jesus willing to show his emotion. Sometimes, some of us, we can't get the help that we need because that thing that's going on inside, we're like, I can't show anybody this. I can't let any tears spill out. I can't be vulnerable. And then you're wondering, how come nobody's helping me? Nobody knows. He's willing to show emotion. There was somebody a couple weeks ago, I was speaking, and I noticed that kind of halfway through the, the message, they just started crying. And then they walked out of the message. And I noticed it, and it's not like I could have stopped in the middle, you know what I mean, and walked out. So I just waited until the end. And then I went to see the person because I thought I said something that hurt them. So I was wondering that. So I said, did I say something that hurt you? Because I know sometimes that can happen, right? And the person said, no, you didn't. I was actually crying for all the people that I know now that are outside of the faith. Now, I didn't walk away from that wondering, hmm, I wonder if that person cares about anybody. I walked away actually wondering, do I care that much? I walked away convicted and challenged. See, when your heart is like hurt, this person's heart was broken for those who are not in the faith. And when your heart is that way, then you are praying for people. Then you actually want to know people. Get to what's going on in your life. Why is it that you're choosing not to follow Jesus? Sometimes all you got to do is ask a person that. And you see, there's a lot going on there. It's not sometimes just blind rejection. You engage, you get to know, and then you share the gospel. And sometimes you got to share the gospel with tears for the person to actually know how serious the situation is, but also for them to see how much you care. If you care about people, your actions will show it. Let me say one other thing on this. Jesus wept over people, but he never forced things on people. You, again, you watch, you read the Gospels, go back all the way from chapter 1 in Luke all the way till now. Jesus tells people the Gospel, calls them to come to faith in Christ, 
and then he leaves it to them. And what I'm trying to tell you is, it's good to share the good news, but never force it on anyone. You share the truth, you pray for their heart, and you leave it to God. He never forced anybody into anything. But he spoke seriously and honestly about what needs to happen. We should do the same. If you care about people, your actions will show it. All you got to do is look at Jesus. Look at verse 45. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus now, he gets into the city and he gets to the temple and the brothers not there having tea. There's some furniture moving around. Did you see it? He says he's driving out those who sold in it. And you're like, okay, good Bible question to ask now is what are they selling? Well, the context actually gives us the answer. See, this is Passover time. And so Jews and Gentiles are actually flocking to Jerusalem to worship and make sacrifices for sin. And here's the thing. To make a sacrifice for sin, you need an animal to do that. And they're walking from all over the Roman world, and carrying an animal is hard. Okay? This is not like walking a cat on a leash. Okay. (laughs) It's hard. You know, so get it in your mind. It'd be like putting a sheep on your shoulder or whatever it is and walking it from North York to Peterborough in sandals. <laughs> Hard. And so what happened then is that the, the animals were actually provided at a market for you to be able to purchase on site. And the other thing too is, When you got there, if you were a Jewish male that was over 20, you had to pay a temple tax. Taxes are everywhere, aren't they? And you could only pay it in a a specific coin. It's called a a Tyrian coin. It looked like this, I believe. Coin coming? Yes. So like this. So you actually had to exchange money. And watch this. The exchange rate was high. And so they were making a little bit off the top. That's why he says, you have made, uh, made the temple a den of robbers because they're actually robbing the people. And so Jesus is upset with the shady things that is going on, but he's also upset with where they're doing it. Get context. So here's the, a picture of the temple. And so there, this is a spot where the Gentiles, sorry, Gentiles are allowed to worship. There's the court of the Jews and the court of the Gentiles. The markets are supposed to be outside. They have put the market right in the court of the Gentiles. So where these people are supposed to be allowed to worship and give praise to God and do their thing, now they have no space to do it at all. And so Jesus says, this actually has to stop. They were disrupting worship because they took the, 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 the commerce and put it where it's not supposed to be. 
And so what you have here is they're disregarding and disrespecting image bearers of God. And so when Luke says he gets there and he drives them out, Jesus is saying, you don't care about these people, but I do. They don't matter to you, but they matter to me. This is a place where you are to, they are to, you are to be showing love and none of that is going on. Here's the word for us. When you see people being disrespected and disregarded, you can't ignore it. If you actually care about people, you can't ignore it. And speaking up, standing up, it might cost you, but that shouldn't stop you because God will take care of you for doing what is right. Think about this. Jesus speaks up. It cost him, didn't it? It cost him his life. But if you care about people, your actions show it. And when you're speaking up, it's good to be gentle, not rough. Humble and not rude. They were disrespecting God's house and Jesus sets it right. This is actually reform. And you, got, you also got to see, Jesus, he reforms it, but he doesn't say, hey, we just got to get rid of it. Sometimes in our culture, we see broken institutions and we're like, oh, we just got to get rid of that. No, work to reform it. It's actually necessary and needed. He reforms it. See, there's a gap between what God wanted and expected at the temple and what is happening at the temple. And here's the thing. Here's where it sort of touches road for us. What happened in the temple can happen right in this church. That the things that God expects to happen here, that there can become a gap between what God wants and what we start doing. And the, and the way we protect against that is by taking responsibility of it together. To speak up. To pray that we don't drift. If you see something, to ask a question. Hey, we said we were committed to this. It's starting to look like this. Are we sure that thing that we're, we're choosing to do is going to please and bring glory to God? It's okay for us to, to speak, again, humbly, gently, respectfully, together, to keep the thing healthy and right. We're all, I'm trying to tell you, we're all responsible for the thing. I know sometimes you guys look at me and you're like, Marv, you're responsible to a degree. But we're all responsible for it together. If you care about people, your actions will show it. All you got to do is look at Jesus. Look at verse 47. It says, and he was teaching daily in the temple. Sorry, as he was teaching daily in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of God were seeking to destroy him. But... They did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on his word. So Jesus drove out, drove them out. What shouldn't be happening was no longer happening, but what should be happening was happening. He is teaching them. He is, it's functioning properly. He's teaching them the gospel. And you got to think about this. Jesus I keep saying this. If you care about people, your actions will show it. Jesus is about to die. That's what he's in Jerusalem for, to die for your sins and my sins. And what is he doing? He's taking his last moments to tell them the gospel. He is about to die, and he's like, I'm going to make sure I give everybody a chance to live because he cares. 
Jesus is doing something good, but the leaders, leaders, verse 47 says, were seeking to destroy him. That's why they try to trap him. Chapter 20, verse 1 says, One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, there it is, telling them the truth, what can save you and change you. The chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, tell us by what authority you do these things and who, or who it is that gives you this authority. So they, they come up and they're like, who do you think you are? When they say, tell us by what authority, they're like, who are you to come here and, and cleanse the temple, sweep things out, and now you're teaching who are, we don't know you. Who do you think you are to actually behave like this? See, what you got to understand here is that the actions of Jesus are actually a threat to them. These are the guys who are running the temple. So the picture that I showed you before, if these, these, these people selling stuff were able to move things into the court of the Gentiles, who do you think let them do it? Who do you think allowed them to do that? The ones in charge. And so when they say to Jesus, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? It's actually a threat to their power, their position, and their pockets. Oh, you're not awake. They're threatened by that. And let me say this. Anytime you see church leaders beginning to behave badly, what is going on is that there is a threat to their position. They're trying to hold on desperately to power. And usually there's something going on with their pockets. And it's satanic. And, and, and Jesus showing up. And Jesus clearing them out tells you how much Jesus cares about what happens in the house of God and how much Jesus cares about what happens to the people of God and how much Jesus cares about those who say they're speaking for God and what he will do in the life of the church when it drifts away from what God says it's supposed to be. And when the, what happens to these leaders is a sign and actually a prophetic picture of what will happen to every leader who makes it about their position, their power, and their pockets. There is going to be a day where they're going to stand before Jesus, and he is going to drive them out. Read your Bibles. And, and again, we're, you're going to have to maybe wait till the end. But at the end, Jesus says in Matthew, away from me, you who are lawless, said you were working in my name, and you were not. Because Jesus cares about his people. Power, position, pockets. Anytime you see them behaving badly. And you're like, so do, we just, do we just stand back and, and do nothing? No, that's not what I'm saying. If you see it, pray for change, but also say something. And when you do that, you're showing you care about people. You care about your brothers and sisters in the faith. Because here's the thing. When it becomes about power, position, and pockets, a whole lot of people get hurt. And churches fall apart. And so we have to take responsibility. Yes, Jesus is going to make it right. But in the meantime, we don't just sit on our hands and do nothing. 
If we care about people, our actions will show it. They say, who do you think you are? Well, if they were reading their Bibles, they'd actually know. Malachi 3 verse 1 says, The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 14 says, The Lord my God will come and the holy ones with him, and there shall no longer be a trader, that is a merchant, in the house of the Lord on that day. They're like, who do you think you are? Jesus is like, I'm the Lord. Who do you think you are to tell us what to do at the temple? He's like, it's my temple. Did you notice? Go back in verse 46. What did he call it? My house. Jesus is like, I can do what I, I can. You can't tell me what to do at my crib. It's mine. It's my house. And so if something's a mess, I have the power and the authority to make it right. And that is what he is doing. They tried to trap him and he trapped them. Look at verse three. He says, he answered them also. I will ask you a question. You want to ask me a question? I'm going to ask the questions around here. You can't push Jesus around, right? He's, the, he's, the, he's a lamb, but he's a lion. Right? I tell my boys this all the time. I said, hey, Jesus is gentle, but he's no pushover. And it's good for you to be gentle, but don't let anybody push you around. It's in the text. Who do you think you are? He says, I'll ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Jesus' question throws them into what you might call an unholy huddle. All right. Yes. And they discussed it with one another, saying, uh, if we say from heaven, he will say, why did you not believe it? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death. For they conceived that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. They, 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 they huddle up. And what you actually see is pride on display. They know they're in a jam. They, they're, they're like, he has us. And so what did they decide? To just sit on the fence. They do, they're just like, we don't know. It's pride. They're too prideful to admit they're wrong. And they're too afraid of the people to say what they actually believe. It's pride. Here, you know what? The, here, let me give you the biblical label. The fear of man. That's what scripture calls this. The fear of man. And here's the thing about the fear of man. It's like the common cold. All of you catch it sometimes. Yeah. I catch it sometimes. Here's the reason why. Here's why we struggle with the fear of people. 
because they can expose and humiliate us. Because they can reject and avoid us. Because they can attack us and threaten us. And I told you, it's like the common cold. We all catch it sometimes. Here are some signs that you might actually be dealing with that infection. You say yes to almost every request, trying to keep people happy. So when you look at your life, you're actually way overcommitted. I'm guilty of that sometimes. You avoid tough conversations because you don't want anyone to be mad. You try to angle and manipulate people into praising you. Ever do that one? Here's my resume. Here's what I've been up to. Post, 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 post. Did anybody like it? You fear failing in front of others. So you rehearse past mistakes. Anybody ever do that one? I do it all the time. You avoid public speaking. I told you guys this before. My fr in university, every class that had a presentation in it, as I was sitting there, my laptop was open, dropped it. <laughs> Got to get me up out of here, because I'm not doing that. It's called the fear of man. You tell little lies to try to make yourself look better, just to protect your image. You're always apologizing and wondering if people are mad at you. Don't you ever, I'm sorry, I'm so, it's Canadian, right? I'm sorry, it's like you didn't do anything. <laughs> you laugh and nod at things that truthfully you know deep down are ungodly. But the pressure in the room, you're hiding your personal convictions and faith from specific people. It's called the fear of man. And when you're infected with it, the reason why I slow down is because you gotta, you gotta catch this. When you're infected with it, when you're dealing with that common cold, you give people the power to tell you how to live, feel, and act. When you allow the fear of man to move into the living room of your life, you're allowing people to dictate how your life is gonna go and the things you're going to do. And it's hard to live that way. I heard Bob Marley say this week, you, can't, you can fool some people sometimes, but you can't fool all the people all the time. I said, hey, Bob, can I change that? Can I add to that? He's like, yeah, Marv. <laughs> yeah, man. What, he's like, what, what would you say? I would say this, you can please some people sometimes, but you can't please all the people all the time. So stop trying. Because it's tiring. Some of you, when you look at your life, you're frustrated. You're upset. And what it is, is you're trying desperately to keep everybody happy. And people change like the weather. That person who's happy with you now will hate you in a week. Now, here's the thing. I'm a pastor, so I know You think about that. It's hard. It's hard to live that way. 
And so the, the word is focus on pleasing God and no one else. And when focus on fearing God and no one else, focus on making sure that when God looks at my life, he is happy, not my neighbor's. Because here's the thing, when you are living like that, when you're, when you're focused on that, on pleasing God, you will be a beautiful example to other people of what it means to live for God and the glory of God and to do what you feel led by the Spirit to do. You'll set an example for somebody else to follow. Live for God, live to please God and no one else. If you care about people, your actions will show it. And you're thinking... What does the fear of man and fearing people have to do with that? It's this. If you're fearing people, it becomes very hard to love people. If you're fearing them, it's hard to love them. Because when you're fearing them, you might not tell them the truth that they need to hear. When you're fearing them, instead of serving them, you're manipulating them, trying to get them to serve you. When you're fearing them, you might not confront them when they start to drift into dangerous places. If we care about people, our actions will show it. What you got to understand is Jesus cared about people. When we don't speak the truth in love, when we don't confront when it's necessary, that's not love. And what Jesus did in Jerusalem, that was love. And the way for us to love is to remember the love of God for us. 1 John 4 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. See, sometimes when we're afraid and fearing people, what's happening is you're not going deeper into the love of God that he has for you. Perfect love casts out all fear. Why? Because fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. And it's an unchanging forever love. And so when you're looking and you're, you're sitting there and you're like, I need people to love me. Like, no, you don't. Because you have the love of God. And that love is unchanging. He is for you. He is with you always. That's why we're going to sing, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus and not trust in man. And when I'm trusting in Jesus... Then I have the power and the ability when I know that I'm deep and held in the loving arms of Jesus Christ, I am able to now express and turn that love towards others. So when they look at me and they look at my life, they're saying, that person cares about people. And they're willing to do what is necessary for others, even at the expense of themselves. We love because he first loved us. Hold on to it. Let's stand and pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the word that opens our eyes to 
the things that go on in us. But also it shows us the way out and the way forward, the way to walk right. Thank you for Jesus who is willing to speak the truth, who is willing to show his emotions, who is willing to confront where it's necessary. Help us to be like him because we want people to know that we care about them. We want, I believe, Lord, I know that as a church we care about people. Help us to live it, to walk in it. To trust that as we do what is right, to trust that as we do whatever you're calling us to do from this message, that people are going to be blessed and you are going to be pleased. Help us, God, to fear you more than anyone else, to serve others and to not serve ourselves, to show people that we care about them deeply because we know how much you care about us. And so we're just wanting to reflect your love towards us, towards them. Again, Lord, we thank you for the word. Thank you for helping me preach it. I pray you would help us to all walk in it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com